Good morning and welcome to Crux Investor. We're here today with Cal Everett, who's the CEO of Liberty Gold. They're a TSX uh, explorer and developer uh, with assets mainly in the US now. So good morning, Cal. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. And yourself? Not too bad. Now, you're, you're soon to be jumping on a plane, so I uh, right. appreciate you being here. Why don't we start with a two-minute elevator pitch, just kind of set the scene for people who are new to this story, and we'll get into the detail. Of exactly what Liberty Gold is? Exactly. Liberty Gold is a um, focused on Carlin-style or sedimentary-hosted gold systems in the Great Basin of the United States, in Nevada, Utah, and Idaho. And the company has a portfolio of assets around the world. And I just spent a week in Turkey on our Turkish assets. Um, because there's a monetization process we're working on there with our partner Tech Corporation to try to monetize those projects and effectively just make the company United States focused only, sediment hosted gold in a stable uh, political geopolitical jurisdiction with a stated tax policy where it's easier to permit mines. So our focus is all of our exploration dollars going to the United States, but 90% of my time goes with regards to uh, monetizing those Turkish assets. And, and basically the reason, the logic is, if those assets do get monetized, and I'm not going to promise anything at, the, at this point, whatever we get back from those assets is money in our treasury with absolutely not a share of dilution to the shareholders. Right. That, that's the logic of it all. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to go into these problematic markets where it's tough to find money and you're already fully funded for a year, two, three years to come. And that just propels the company forward when people or other groups are being held back. Right. Okay. So we'll get into the detail of the, the U.S. assets in a second, but let's let's just cover off and the the Turkish component there. You, you had that asset for how long? Uh, that originally the predecessor company to Liberty Gold uh, was Frontier Gold, and then it stock dividend became Pilot Gold after uh, Carlin Discovery. We uh, we made in. Uh, I think 2009 was sold to Newmont for your 2.3 billion Canadian in 2012. And then the assets in Turkey were spun into Pilot Gold and I've name changed the company with, to Liberty Gold to show where the company focus is. So we've had those assets for quite a while and originally two of the assets, the Karazli uh, project and the Ada project in Turkey were sold to Alamos for $83 million in I think 2009 or something like that. And that money went into drilling the Long Canyon deposit in Nevada for Frontier and then that subsequently became a 2 million ounce plus deposit at 2.09 grams of oxide and then Newmont paid up at a $1,900 gold price to purchase that mine and that mine right now is the most profitable mine in Newmont with all in sustaining costs of $359 an ounce. And so now the reason there's more interest in Turkey is as you know there's a, a deficiency pro projected for copper concentrates. And Turkey is open for business, and I don't think people recognize, but they've permitted 15 mines in 15 years in Turkey. So they can, from start to finish, a Turkish mining company takes about three, three and a half years to make, get a mine in production with all the permits and they're producing. Mm -hmm. If you're going into the United States in a sedimentary hosted system, it might be seven years. If you go into Canada, it could be 10 to 15 years. So why are you offloading it? Because our shareholder base and the companies we talk to who are reviewing our uh, Great Basin assets would rather the company be presented to them with one sole focus because perhaps the jurisdiction they prefer to be looking into is only, is non-Turkey 
and only the United States. Right. It confuses your shareholders. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So the, the Turkish, Turkish asset wasn't a mistake. It was something that was inherited. Yeah, but it became a, 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 a tremendous discovery. Right. And what are you trying to, I mean, and a similar type of uh, ore body to which so it, the teams are used to? No, it's with. a porphyry copper gold deposit. Porphyry, right, okay. Yeah, it's 125 million tons of 0.35 copper and 0.35 grams gold. Right, so are you in a process for selling it at the moment? or? Well, there's always been a process going on, but we don't need to use a banker. I know how to do that myself. Right, as okay. Does tech. And what sort of quantum are we talking about? In terms of price range? Yeah. I won't give you that. Not even roughly? Not even a guess. Right, okay, okay. But you're expecting a sum of money which will come in as cash for the, for the business. Yeah, we would hope so, yeah. And that will allow you to focus. I can give you a quick second or minute on what the economics show. Fantastic. Do okay, that. so in 2015, we did a PEA on it using the Turkish lira at 0.44 to 1. Mm-hmm. It's now 0.17 to 1. So at that point, there was a projected $345 million U.S. capex and an after-tax IRR of 43%. But now the lira is 0.17. So with every point one of the lira, the economics of that project improve in after-tax IRR by approximately 2%. So now if you go from 4.4 to 0.17 and use current metal prices, we can just change the numbers in the PEA and put in a new estimate of uh, cost to build the mine of approximately 240 million US. Mm-hmm. The after-tax IRR would exceed 80% with a payback period of less than a year with a 14-year mine life. So what? Why not find new investors who'd be interested in that? I mean, because IRR, we have a 40% interest in that case, and then I'd be subject to random cash calls in a mine production scenario that I would have to finance going through time, which mm-hmm. could be a killer for the capital structure of Liberty Gold. Right? right? You always have to look forward to what can go wrong before it goes wrong in this business. And the operational side of the industry quite often doesn't because they operate in a herd mentality. But on our side of the business, it's different. So that's kind of interesting. So you're saying it's a business which has got a protected IRR over eight percent is not interesting enough to the market because things go wrong. That's so correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So businesses with IRRs projected at thirty percent going, going easily go into production now. Right. If they're in the right jurisdiction. Right. So you're saying the key the key differentiator differentiator here is purely the jurisdiction yeah. or the geopolitics or anything associated. With yeah. I mean, if a Canadian company wants to walk into any Eastern European country, they need kind of an Eastern European partner in order right. to get through the, the procedures that that government declares in the mining industry. Right. It's as simple as that. So we come in with Tech Corporation. The project is, quite frankly, not big enough for Tech. It's not right. going to move okay. their balance sheet by anything. And for us being a 40% owner of a mine, right, that's mm. not that relevant to us. So you're saying, I'm, so you help me. So you're saying Turkey is a good place to mine. It's or, a great place to mine, but not for you. But not for us. No, because right. of it's basically, you have to make a choice when you're running a, a public company, mm-hmm. and the management make a decision: Are we going to get more ounces out of the Great Basin mm-hmm. than we are in building a mine over a three-year time period, mm-hmm. subject to draws on your on your balance sheet? Mm-hmm. And the answer is really quite easily: We should be in the Great Basin. That's where our bread and butter is made. Okay, so there's a slight, would you say that's a change of direction for the business or a refocusing for the business? Refocusing, yeah. Refocusing yeah. the business. And so let's, let's get on to, the, we'll, leave, we'll leave Turkey, mm-hmm. you're in a sales process there, there'll be some monetization event. You we hope, hope, yeah. At some point in the non-too distant future. I, that's your words, yeah. 
Okay, <laughs> right. Okay, so that's happening, maybe. Um, so let's talk about the, the, the assets that you've acquired. I mean, where did, how did you find them? When did you find them? And tell us, give us a little summary on each one. Um, all so there, there are four, I sense that. Uh, inclusive of Baxter Springs, yeah. I think, looking at the document you're looking at. Yeah. There's actually five, okay. and now there's six. Right. Okay, so those assets are selected by Marva Smith, our VPX. Mm -hmm. And the same geological team has been together for 14 years, okay. give or take. Mm -hmm. And the group of uh, four geologists have, at this point, a new one started the other day, and that excludes Halila. That's their discovery in mm -hmm. Turkey. The Turkish discoveries are theirs. What's this team known for? This team oh, Carlin style, style gold deposits, right? right. So right now they have eight operating gold mines that are profitable under their discovery belt. Right. And so that group, Moira and her, and any, her teams. Any, any big ones that we'd re recognize? Long or? Canyon. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. Penasquito. Right. Okay. El Limon for tourist So some meaningful ones. Not, Pogo not in just, Alaska. Oh know, yeah, they can keep going. Yeah. Economic is means different things to different people. So yeah. Just, okay. The, they're so a rarity in the mining industry. Right. Okay. They're that good, and they they have a, a running mandate with the company. You go crazy, and if you want something, call me. Mm -hmm. And if I can get it for you, I'll get it for you. And if we can afford it, I'll try and get it for you. And they just keep looking at things as we go. Mm -hmm. And so they picked the gold strike target. In, uh, in Utah, mm -hmm. and I wasn't working for the company then. Oh, right. When did you join? I joined when, uh, when the, the company was changing their president, and uh, Marco Day came to see me, had lunch, and he said, mm -hmm. uh, would you be interested in coming out of retirement? Because I retired at 59. Right. Like, I was like you, institutional mining and corporate finance and all that. And, right. and, and I said, what is it? And he said, well, it's the Gold Strike Project in in Utah, and he didn't know, but I represented a second buyer for that asset. I'd already done two or three months of due diligence on site. Recently, as a, before, as a, before I came. Right. And I, I was another buyer, and I can't disclose who the buyer is, and I can't disclose what my price was, but mm. they, uh, Pilot Gold won the auction, and they got the asset, so I was comfortable with the asset. Mm -hmm. That was easy. Mm -hmm. And so, picked that up, and then after that I was there for, I think, a month or two, and I went to Moira and I said, anything else you want? We've got money. She said, I want the Black, uh, the black Pine project mm -hmm. in Idaho. And I had that secured in 48 hours for 800,000 US in cash and 300,000 shares of the company and a half percent right. uh, NSR going to the property owner so they could take the NSR and retire the liens on the property. Right, you had an agreement or an option. No, I had, a, I had an exclusivity period done right. and ready, and then it took right. two or three months to close it, but, right? Because it has to go lien free, because sure. you won't take on the liability. Mm -hmm. And then the company already owned the Kinsley deposit, which is in sight of Long Canyon. And there's, I think, 522,000 ounces of 43101 compliant gold there. And then the Baxter Strings project is south of Kinross's Round Mountain Mine, and it's 15 square kilometers of, of a of a crisscross pattern of jasperoids running as high as 15 grams at surface. And there's independent drill holes in there of you know, 33 meters of 22 grams. But right. that's obviously running down deep of a, right. of, so, a, of, a, of, a uh, of a vein structure. Okay, so you used an interesting phrase there a second ago when, when you were brought into um, Liberty Gold. You mm -hmm. said, we have the money, I want these assets. So what does that, what did, what did that mean? We have it means if we think it's got 2 million ounce potential, we're not going to stop buying. Right. As long as we get it at our price. I'm not right. paying up for anything. It's right. shareholder money. Okay. And how much cash was available at that time for our 10 million Canadian. 10 million Canadian. No, that was to run all the exploration and GNA and everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
So once you buy one of these projects or acquire it, they come with a tome of exploration data you didn't have to pay for. It. Mm -hmm. So on the Gold Strike property, it came with 1,519 drill holes. Mm -hmm. So the permitting process in the United States is onerous, whether you're dealing with Forest Services or the Bureau of Land Management. Mm -hmm. So by the time you start a permit and get your final plan of operations, it can take two years. So that's a time suck that you have to wake work your way through, really. Mm -hmm. And so it takes two years. And we now have a plan of operation that allows us to do what we want, where we want, at this point in a gold market. They're all there. There's no waiting anymore. Black Pine's done. It's drilling today. Gold Strike is done. Two of the major deposits are being drilled contemporaneously in, in, the, in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. And there is one long-standing on Kinross and uh, Baxter Springs, no, but we also own the old Griffin mine, which is another oxide system we've never gotten to. It just sits there because we're just too busy on the two main projects. And uh, recently we were informed by uh, Coral Reef LLC out of New York and uh, that the Regent deposit, which is around just under 300,000 ounces of stackable gold equivalent, gold and silver, is in production now. And the company owns a 15% NPI after payback of initial cost mm -hmm. in that. And that's going should hopefully be paying us revenue at the end of next year. Okay, so that, that sounds like a lot of moving parts. There's always parts, yeah. And that costs money. Yeah. So can we just talk about the finances? Sure you can. Yeah. Okay, so what's your cash position? Right now, um, I think it's around seven million US or something like that. Right, and that's going to get you through to when a burn rate is Oh, to get us through to the through the last quarter of the year. But if uh, our monetization process in Europe works, uh, I don't we'll be looking for money for a long time. What do you mean by monetization process? The Turkish assets. Right. Okay. So, and that's the only asset you're looking to offload. That's at this point, yeah. Right. Okay. There's inquiries about some of the other assets to purchase them as well. So what happens if that doesn't sell? And then I'd be dealing with strategic investors from major mining companies. And I can always raise the money. But in a, in a way which might dilute the current... Every service. financing is dilution for sure. every single for issuer on the market. Right, okay. Um, I mean, you've, you've kind, of, kind of interesting period. I mean, if I'm looking at the, the share price, mm -hmm. um, you know, highs of what, 48 yep. last year, lows of 29. First of February this year is at 43. We're back down to 35. So it kind of looks like a lot of charts. It, well, a lot of charts, charts are going down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I managed to keep it relatively and horrifying. We've got tax season selling and all of that kind of good stuff that happens mm -hmm. in the Canadian markets. But um, that suggests there's a lot of uncertainty in the market as to what you're doing. Do you think this new story has impacted on that? Or um, we generate a lot of news. Right. And we've got a lot, I think maybe 10 institutions right. that own our stock. Yeah. Uh, the Van Eck Fund, not the GDXJ, but Joe Foster's yeah. fund owns with his warrants 19.9% of the company. Right. Right. The RCF Fund out of, uh, out of Denver, they've got about 14% mm -hmm. of the company. Uh, there's several other funds out there. Insiders, I think, are at 6.6%. And I've only been there not even three full years. In my first year, I bought 2.4 times my salary mm -hmm. of the stock in the market. Yeah, so you, you see it in insiders. Yeah, yeah. Continue to be a big Yeah, and I bought it the year last year and the year before last, over two times my salary. Yeah. And it's basically, I just made all my money in my career in bearish markets. Mm -hmm. And if I can find deposits that are going to make money in a bearish market, mm. I load up. And when my market eventually comes to me, I monetize that and I live 
very happily after that, mm -hmm. right? So you have to have patience in this business. Yeah. It's not a trading business. So, so let's, let's, okay, let's get, okay, you've got a bunch of institutional mm -hmm. shareholders. They're sitting on quite a hefty sum. Yeah, I can talk to 70% of the shareholders on any given day. Right, fantastic. And you prefer institutional to I, retail? I mean, well, I don't. How do you balance that? Uh, it's, retail is fine. Mm. Um, institutional means they're just bigger positions that you but talk to. But there's also to. less liquidity. Well, there's a lot of liquidity in this stock. It averages 300 to 500,000 shares a day, which is good for institutions. So if they want to get out, they can get out. If they want to get in, they get in. And I don't, I've been around long enough that I'm not offended by a sell order mm. because if you bought the stock, you have the right to sell it, mm -hmm. right? If you buy the stock, you hopefully you make a profit and we do our jobs. And so a lot of people who run junior mining companies mm -hmm. don't like the unexpected market cap shock of a big mm -hmm. sell order when they're not prepared for it, mm -hmm. nor could they get prepared for it. And that's why you see some of those charts ending just straight down. But that's kind of unusual. I mean, institutional guys selling, they typically... No, no, it's not, not in this market. Really? Because, yeah, because if you've got a fund, and, and I know several of them, I've talked to 50 of them, and all of a sudden, one fund I know has had a cash withdrawal from his gold fund all but one day in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. So if he's got $50,000, that he has to show up with cash mm -hmm. on that day. He has to sell $50,000 with gold stocks. Yeah, okay. That's the way it works. And if, and if he's got an inflow, his mandate is he's got to go out and buy $50,000 worth of gold, gold I, stocks. I get that, I get that. I, okay, we'll have to agree to disagree on, on, on the fact that it's usual or unusual. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's certainly not what we're seeing with a lot of the people that we've been talking to. Since the institutional guys tend to hold a little bit longer. Yes, they do, yeah. If they're in. The retail guys, high net worth family offices, tend to drive liquidity and, mm -hmm. and have an effect on volume of trading each day. Um, so it, it'd be interesting to see how that, 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 that plays out. So with with the business, I know it's kind of morphed since you've, well, you know, from before you, you've been involved. Uh, I'm not saying giving you plausible deni deniability here or anything, but it's, <laughs> it has morphed in the sense that it, have this Turkish asset, we're now going to be focused on the US, it's a better jurisdiction, geopolitically, it's safer, and all of those things that people say. Um, do, you, do you, I mean, how much money's actually been pumped into the into the business and how much has come out and has there been? Oh, those numbers are easy, they're right. public. Okay, right. yeah, no public, but can Yeah, you... so on the, on the, do you want me to start with the production side of the industry? I just I could go all the way down from dis discovery no, since no, 1990 I, I, I to anywhere you like. As you say, it's, it's, all, it's all public. It's all, you know, yeah. it's, there's a lot of numbers there. And I, I, mean, I would rather you focused on where's the value coming from for shareholders, um, potential shareholders. Um, you know, why should people be buying into this? Um, the money, the actual expiration expenditures are down by 66% since 2012. Mm -hmm. Okay. So no money is going into the ground. On the production side of expiration, they shut down their expiration. Effectively, they're only looking for brownfield extensions of existing gold deposits that are in operation. Mm -hmm. And so they're not exploring, nor are they making discoveries. So the production's not drilling. The explorers were, were for a couple decades, the, the, the supply chain. Yeah of the future of the mining industry. And we're not exploring. There's only few of us who can afford to, to explore. And those discoveries are few and far between. Like, you, you don't see them anymore. And I think uh, there was no five million ounce discoveries last year. 
whatsoever. And every year the mine life of these producing mines are falling. Since 2012, the average mine life has gone from 15.7 to 12.4 years. And if we haven't explored for seven years, yeah. and the permitting time on top of that, you, you know, yeah. 10 years out, you might be seeing average mine lives around seven, seven years mm -hmm. for the producers. And then we're in a, then the oil price will logically go smoking. But it's, it's, it's all about funds. So if I was looking for funds now, and you can see it with a lot of majors, they're still taking equity interest in public companies. And a lot of juniors are continually going to juniors, uh, to the producers looking for them to invest. And there's private equity funds which sit on a fortune. And they're very, very conscious. And they're, they're taking advantage of the people who are being crippled. Yeah, but we, I mean, we hear that a lot. And that's, that's mm -hmm. part of the pitch for explorers. They, they talk about this deficit and you know, investment going. We, we, we know mm -hmm. that. What I guess people want to understand is you know, how, the, how you're going to actually deliver that. So we've heard you've got an exploration team, been together 14 years, some mm -hmm. you know, big discoveries there, uh, responsible for a lot of answers out there. Um, what gives you encouragement? And I know you have got encouragement because you're putting your own money into this thing regularly. Yeah, sure. um, what encourages you to believe that these assets, these six assets are going to be able to deliver those ounces? Well, we've already got 1.2 million ounces right. of gold strike. Okay. Which is a good starting point. It's a good starting point. And, but that needs to get to 2 million ounces. Mm. So it's now being drilled to get to 2 million ounces. So when we did a PEA on that, so we released that, it last year. Is that across how many assets? That's just one project. That's, that's just on gold strike? Just on gold strike right, right now. Okay. 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 So right. we did a PEA on it. And, it, and there's a, a good PEA and a crap PEA. We both know that. You can yeah. do a PEA in 40 Big drill holes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like you're whimsy in yeah. some cases. You have to really understand what you're doing. Yeah. So in that PEA, because of the way our geologists operate and they do their compilation work, that had 1,700 drill holes in it. Mm -hmm. That's a good PEA. Mm -hmm. And 75% of that resource was measured and indicated. Mm -hmm. And that's three holes within 50 meters of each other. Mm -hmm. Within 50 meters. That's how tightly drilled that density is. Mm -hmm. And to do a prefeeze, you have to have measured and indicated. So we're three quarters of the way through that on that deposit. Right. That's how prepared we are to, to deliver, right? When do you get to the end point there? Uh, to the end point, well, we've only drilled 30% of the target. So what's the timeline on that? Oh, it's just money. It's money it's driven money. and, and okay. drill holes. It's okay. cheap to drill okay. because they're short holes and there are sea holes, right? And their permit allows us to go wherever we want. So we can drill some days two full drill, two drill holes in one day and we pay by the hour. Right. So it's, your drill costs are going down and it's your, the same geological costs and management costs are on that. Mm -hmm. And the assay cost is a fixed number. Mm -hmm. So. On that PEA, the after-tax IRR, I think it was at $1,300 gold, was 29.4%. Uh, but we excluded byproduct silver, which historically the mine yeah. produced an ounce of silver for every ounce of gold. Right. So that would have popped the after-tax IRR by maybe a point and a half. Right. We excluded the heap leach pads, which we've drilled. We have the permit to perforate the liners <clears throat> of the heaps. And there's 8.1 million stacked tons there, but the grade on those stacked tons is twice our cutoff grade. So you can crush that heap leach pad and put it as the base of your new heaps and you're going to get more ounces. And the average recovery on that mine was 75%. And we've done our metallurgy on it and we're just about finished our second round so that news will come out soon. Right. And um, we get 70, 80% of a recoverable cyanide leachable gold in eight days. It's the best in the Great Basin. Right. So okay. if people don't understand what a, a heap leach operation is, it's like a quarry. Right, so you're just moving large amounts of earth, yeah. processing it, 
and you hopefully got some gold at the end of it. So what's a great? There's a, there's a low grade, yeah, high volume. Yeah, sure. I give you the numbers for the yeah. for the big producers in the Great Basin. The average grade is 0.53 yeah. grams for a run of mine heap leach. Mm -hmm. Ours is 0.48. Okay, so you're there. Okay. Yeah. Their recoveries average 70.53. Mm -hmm. Ours are 78%. Okay. But ours, ours isn't 78%. And I'll tell you why. Because they, ran, they rinsed the heap leeches for three years after that mine shut down right. and produced 45,000 more ounces. Right. So that's real recovery. It's 75 plus the 45 on a percentage basis, which takes you over 80%. It's just a unique deposit that leeches like a dam. Right. right. Okay. Understood. So we need to take it to 2 million ounces, which gives you, uh, right now I think it's a seven and a half year mine life, excluding last year's drilling, at 95,000 ounces of gold a year. So the target has to be 100,000 ounces, which meets the base for an intermediate gold producer for one mine, because we're certainly not going to drill something for a 30,000 ounce producer. That's just a waste of our time, right? It's like a hobby if you're going to go down the food chain that low. And then it goes up to 95,000 ounces, right? So we want to take it up to 100,000 and 10 to 12 year mine life, which solves the problem of a producer with declining mine lives with due to no right. expiration. So you're saying there's, there's a fairly easy business, really. Oh, it's you're, really easy. You're, you're moving large volumes of earth efficiently, cheaply as yeah. possible. You've, you know, say 0.5 grade, just slightly under. Um, it's just a numbers game for you. Is that, is that? Oh, well, it's easy. I mean, if you go look, I'm not sure it's if you can see that behind me, but the credenza is about, about 12 cubic feet here. Mm -hmm. That's a ton. Mm -hmm. That's a, what a ton of rock looks yeah. like if you wanted to model it in 3D. Yeah. But it's the strip ratio is everything. Right, exactly. Right, because of, and, and the metallurgy. So if the cash flow is quick and the strip ratio is 1.2 to 1 and it costs you a buck 80 to move a ton of waste and a dollar to move a ton of ore because it's got to be drilled differently, mm. and you take the grade and say it's $22 rock and you're going to get 80% out of it so you might get $18 rock and if all your handling costs and processing costs are $10 or $8 or $9, yeah. That's your profit okay. on 75 million tons. That's what I'm getting at. I yeah. was asking you, Very why, easy. Should, why should people believe you guys can do this? Because it's an easy, well-trodden path. You're really just dependent on the grades continuing. Yeah, but we've uh, done it before. We've built a mine before. Right. In Africa, there you go. in Burkina Perfect. Faso. We know how to build it. We, we have to de-risk it, build it, and sell it, or de-risk it, and sell it. Okay. Right? It's just a very, very simple process. Okay, so that, that, I think that answers the question. So if, if that's the case, so where's the, where's the value coming in? Where, where, what do you, I mean, obviously we've got a potential sale coming down the line, there's a bit of cash, but that's gonna go straight back in the ground. Yeah, so there's yep. no, no real upside there for existing shareholders or new shareholders. Oh, the upside is their shareholder base stays exactly the same with no okay. dilution, it's a massive upside. Massive, okay, I'll, t I'll buy that. Um, so going forward, wh where's the other value coming from? Then? The, the other value is probably the Black Pine project. Right. Which is now leapt in front of Gold Strike because of what we found. But okay, at the moment you've got seven million bucks of cash. So when you mm -hmm. say leapt in front, how does that cash distribution or allocation? More money work? is being spent drilling black pine this year than Gold Strike. How much? Oh, it would be about um, probably thirty percent more, based on the budget. Thirty percent more. Okay. Yeah. Right, and, and we know your seven million is going to get you. Yeah, we just started drilling it a week ago. Right, but it's okay. it's 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 uh, it's unique. We found something we that we never expected. We we would when we bought it, what was there when but we you found can't out. Tell me. I can tell you what's there. Okay, sure. go then. Yeah, because we bought a past producing mine. It was the old Pegasus mine. It shut down in '97. Right. It stacked six hundred and eighty-five thousand ounces, produced four hundred and thirty-five thousand ounces of mm -hmm. gold from five aggregate pits, 
and we bought it with 560 drill holes in the database with the recognition that wasn't we didn't have the data we had to start from zero so what value did you put on that then well we bought it for a million dollars in aggregate yeah what do you think that looks like on your books now uh it looks substantially more um we're hoping uh, more yeah right okay okay so you got to spend a bit more money on it this year and you think that we just spent 18 months we went in our geologists found the data right in a forest services file that the vendor did not know they had. And in that forest service file was 1,875 drill holes. Every blast hole, every soil sample, all the geophysics, all the cyanide soluble assays, absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Took 18 months to put it together and get it permitted. Mm -hmm. And we came up with a model on it that we were sitting on something and, and we published a two to four million ounce target on that. And at this point, where we're sitting, based on our valuations, we think that could be conservative. Okay. And it's the largest unmined oxide gold system left in the Great Basin. And I'm not exaggerating. We've defined 12 square kilometers of exposed oxide gold at surface. Okay. Okay. And so the average depth of the historical pits was 100 meters, and there's not a drop of water in those pits. Okay. The, the, the drainage, Groundwater, any groundwater that's there, flows into the dry part of the Great Salt Lake. There's not a fish on that side mm -hmm. in a dry salt lake. Mm -hmm. There's no environmental issue. There's road, there's power, there's water to site. Okay? So we applied for the plan of operations. We have the right to go anywhere we like and drill where we like over 7.3 square kilometers of oxide. Right. So in the modeling of the entire project, mm -hmm. after all this work, we twinned a historical drill hole. Mm -hmm. And the holes, 95% of those holes only goes, go down to 300 feet or 93 odd meters. And our belief was there's a high grade portion at depth based on all of our modeling. And so we twinned a hole in late 19, uh, sorry, 2017 mm -hmm. and it was 40 meters of 0.5 grams and then there was a gap and then there was 5 meters of 1 gram gold mm -hmm. of oxide and it stopped in oxide because the drill, those days the miners were shut down. They, and it just says stopped in ore. So we twinned it and we hit 40 meters of 0.58, then the gap because there was a calcite breccia in there. And then we hit 15 meters of 1.2 grams and then we hit another calcite breccia. Mm -hmm. And through the bottom of the hist system, we hit 77 meters of 1.49 grams oxide. Okay. okay, so whopping grades, but in a 200 meter hole, 132 meters ran over ground <clears throat> on average. You don't see that in the Great Basin. So we now know that the target depth that it has to be drilled to, depending on where you are and where you're exposed in the rocks mm -hmm. on surface, over that massive 12 square kilometer area, is uh, between 150 meters to 350 meters to get to the base of the system. Mm -hmm. And there's no sulfides in that system whatsoever. Okay. It's all oxide. There hasn't, we haven't seen one like this in, in a long, long time so that's this that big. I mean, that doesn't seem very big to me. So, but what, what does it mean in real terms? In real terms, a kilometer by a kilometer yeah. by 100 meters right. aggregate with a specific gravity of 2.56 yeah. means you've got potential for 256 million tons. Right. And if it runs a half a gram, yeah. you've got 128 million grams. Right, okay. Drive, divide okay. that by 31.18 grams and you're over 4 million ounces and that's a square okay. kilometer of a 12 kilometer drill right. confirmed oxide system. Okay, okay. And 
there was no sense of the economics on that at the moment. Only no, indicative. no, no. But we have we have our own internal models, which I won't give you how many ounces we're starting with without right. drilling. Right. But I would say it's substantial. So that's black pine. Mm -hmm. You can spend more money on that than gold strike because it's too big. Because it's too big and it's got whopping grades in it. Right. Okay. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, how, how do you get to the point? What happens if things don't kind of go well? I guess you would you then flip these assets out somewhere else? Is, if no. You, if you don't, you think you've got enough data now to say we're going. This is a com the company, not com company maker. I guess is a fair phrase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you doing with Kingsley Baxter Springs? Kingsley, we spend um, half a million dollars on it a year with our partners by a, a, on a contractual. Uh, You're required to spend that amount. Required to spend that. Right. We do spend that. And Baxter Springs just sits there gathering dust because we don't have time to get to it. But you're not going to offload it? No, it costs nothing to keep it in good, in, in, in good right. standing. It's nothing. Right. And Griffin is the same thing. We keep that in good standing. Right. And we'll look at, once we figure out the rawhide royalty, whether we want to, want to monetize that for, yeah. for, um, for extra cash or not. Right. Right. And so we just kind of we're just analyzing what that's worth right now. We're right. not there yet. We're dealing. So it seems to me you're you're you are dependent on offloading Turkey. No. You, you'd say I'm not no dependent on anything because you think you can go to market. I can get market. I can get it corporately, and I can get it from royalty companies. I can get it from whoever I want. It's just the timing of when I want to do it. Well, and the cost, I guess, you'd have to do the economics around what that's going to cost you now compared to what you actually mm -hmm. want to pay. Yeah. So therefore, Turkey is the ideal solution, maybe not dependent. Oh, it's on easy out. It's easy out. And that will give you the cash you need to kind of move those two assets, mm -hmm. being uh, Goldstrike and Black Pine, where you need it to be yeah. to go and raise cheaper money at some point in the future. No, I don't, I don't think um, uh, if things go the way we hope, we may never have to raise money again. Okay. That's, I that's think you, I think you can de-risk... Um, well, Gold Strike is de-risked. It's just mine do, life do mean, announces. Money, but Black Pine as well. You mean money, or do you mean equity, or do you mean don't even need debt? No. At some point, you're going to need debt to. If you're going to build it, build it thing. If you're right? going to build it, you always need if debt. You need You'd be looking at a thirty percent um, equity versus debt scenario. These things are cheap to build, right? You right. know, for to get the same amount of ounces out of the underground mine in Canada, it's going to cost you six, seven times the capex to build it. Right. Heap leach mines are dirt cheap to build. It costs you 100 to 150 million US sure. and you pay it back off. If you've got starter pit material, which we have at Gold Strike and we, I'm, yeah. I'm, we're sure we have it at, uh, at yeah. Black Pine. And then your capex is paid for and you're good to go. So that's really interesting for shareholders. Sure. Well, the, potential shareholders. Because, you know, now that the Barrick uh, joint venture with Newmont is done, mm. Barrick's got Nevada. Yeah. Right? So Newmont and other people who want to get into the Great Basin, they've got to go into Idaho and Utah. Yeah. And yeah. we've been tying up Idaho and Utah now for years. Yeah. Right? And so that's why we, we acquire them and, and we just hold on to them. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a, it was a, a plan set out uh, several years ago. Okay. Given the case of the gold market and analyzing all countries around the world, Africa, wherever, and they fall. Like Libya just fell the other day. You're not going to Libya. You're not going to Algeria. Um, Nicaragua's got problems with the Sandinistas, right? Guatemala's got issues and, and parts of Mexico have issues. So we effectively, government changes, military coups, whatever you want to say, and, and countries that have no money want to take it from the operating mines. The balance sheets are affected by these producers. So we just went and said, okay, we're going to zero in on 
on safety. That's really interesting. Years, years ago. That's really interesting. So you, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, you decided, well, when you joined, I guess, you're saying, right, we need to get back to safety jurisdiction. The strategy will be this. We feel that. I mean, is this any bearing on Trump coming in here? Because he's obviously pro, he's pro mining, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's been good for a lot of people in the region. Um, was that any, was that part of your process or part of your thinking back then? No. Or was it just purely, let's get back to the States where we know what we're doing? We just went to the jurisdiction. It didn't make right. any difference who was, who was sitting in the throne. Right. Didn't make any difference at all. Interesting, okay, yeah. interesting, okay. Okay, well, I mean, why don't, we, why don't we talk a little bit about you and the team who are going to be delivering this? Because you said it's a pretty you know, easy process. It's a case of just put, putting it together. You feel you're going to have the capital to take you through to, I guess, post-DFS is what you're mm-hmm. saying, potentially, mm-hmm. if things go according to plan, which is very encouraging for the anti-dilutionary crowd. Um, so tell me a bit about you. And, and I know you're a, a geo and a, and a banker, which is quite an unusual combination. Let's start with that. Oh, sure. I was a geologist working for the mineral exploration arm of Imperial Oil. Mm-hmm. Worked for them for about 12 years until 1990 and worked underground in the Red Lake Gold Camp as an underground geologist. Mm-hmm. Volunteered to do that basically yeah. because I needed to learn how to think in three dimensions. And so effectively I can spin this room around or any room and figure out what's going on, where I'm supposed to be geologically and drilling mm-hmm. a hole, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're underground and you're in the dark with a light on, you have to know how to project like a one centimeter controlling structure with orum to the left and waist to the right, mm-hmm. where it's going to be 500 feet from there, where to drill mm-hmm. a hole. So I did that, and then in um, late 1989, Homestake Mining took over SO Minerals Canada. And I had the optionality, or option to choice, to either go into the oil patch in Calgary and, uh, or stay in Vancouver and, and go look for work. So I decided to become a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. And I'd never taken an economics business course in my life. And uh, so I applied and I got um, six offers mm-hmm. in one day. And I took an offer with Burns Fry because quite frankly, the training course was five days and I was a broker. I didn't want to waste my time. And, mm-hmm. and you go from a salary to $1,200 a month, mm-hmm. right? It's really quite funny. Mm-hmm. And my wife was working, she was a nurse at that time. At, at mm-hmm. that time and so we were fine. And then um, after four months, I went off my 1200 a month and went on to income. And then in my fourth year there, I was the number one producer in, oh. in, in, for BMO Nesbitt Burns in Canada out of 1200 brokers. And it was all mining focused. Mm-hmm. And when, the, um, uh, when it got into 2002, I tried to get it take on institutional clients. Mm-hmm. And that's hallowed ground, as you know, on a trade desk, because that's where the big money is yep. at, in those days, not today. But, and so they wouldn't let it. So I, I just quit. And I went over to PI Financial, which is 25% owned by National Bank. And then I was their number one producer in my first year until 2008. And over that period of time, I raised, I don't know, several billion, $2 billion. And I think there was something like uh, $15 billion worth of takeovers. There were failures. There always are failures in expiration when you pick them. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking for early stage things that I could look like I could multiply my clients. Mm-hmm. investment capital on and that was a good gold market so timing it's not necessarily brains it's, it's timing sure always, right always. and there were very few people with a geological background who are on the institutional side of the, of the of the mining industry so you've been through that process i mean what did you learn i mean there's a few mistakes in there oh yeah, yeah lots of mistakes few successes so how are you applying that to what we're looking at today oh well yeah it's really quite simple i mean uh, i did the original financings for a cisco right and it took me three months to raise them 6.85 million dollars because nobody understood bulk tonnage gold deposits. Sure. So what I had to do is go to the IOCG belt, 
mm -hmm. in, in Chile and ch compare it to a porphyry copper mm -hmm. and just say, okay, this is 0.8% copper equivalent and here's the gold and the recovery is the same at, at, at 92% mm -hmm. and then I, then I got a lead order for 9.9% of the company from a fund out in New York who ultimately made $350 million on that trade. But you had to re-educate them because nobody understood them. Now everybody understands them, yeah. right? That's how the system goes. And then we started producers and copper companies and several companies were taken over in those days. It's, it's interesting you say about you know, people didn't understand it back then. Do you think they understand it now? I mean, what, what, do, what, do, what do your brokers say? What, what do you think the market says? How many brokers are left? I think 85% of trading are passive investment formulas and computers yeah. now. Yeah. I don't think there's much dialogue going on between you as my broker and me and you giving me advice anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just a different... But what about the people covering you? For instance, like you know, Hayward, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I talk to they, them all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and every news release, we talk and they do site visits and they've got an open-door policy. If they want to take their clients to site, Private or institutional will yeah. set it up. They can go. They can visit anytime they want. Do you think they're doing a good job in explaining it to their clients? Um, not necessarily Hayward, but all brokers. I think they're doing a reasonable job for it, but they're not going to be looking for orders in a public market because they don't make any money on a trade because the discount trading has punished the sell side of the business. So right. they're looking to finance. But okay. so they get a five percent fee, which is logical. Sure. sure. Yeah. So. So obviously, you know, people's business models have changed over the, over the years, as you said, you know, you mm. used to be make a lot more money. Um, people have had to change their, on the, certainly on the institutional side, change their business models. Um, how's that affected you? It hasn't really affected me because I can do all sides of it, okay, right? Because it's, 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 it's like, we used to say it was a wholesale retail and fairy tale business, right? <laughs> right. So the wholesale guys are the institutions yeah. who want big blocks of stock and they want leverage with that. Then there's yeah. the retail component and then there's the dream that you sell. Mm. But you better be selling a legitimate dream, mm. right? And it's got to be backed up by hard numbers and facts and reality and, and QAQC and everything else. And not, you, I'm not going to say what companies do or who they might or might yeah. not do. This is what you have to do to make it perfect. Yeah. And then if you can find money and create liquidity, that's the benefit of the industry. So I've been doing it for 25 years. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of, um, you know, likewise, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. And, um, you know, you see different degrees of understanding from a technical perspective, from a financial perspective, and from a, you know, wider market perspective in terms of all the different, you know, I, you know we're talking about retail, from mm -hmm. the office, high net worth side of things, like, you know, with a very little understanding, very little information actually, uh, you talk about the need to provide accurate numbers. It, it, it's, it's hard, it's, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, what do you think the market should be doing better to tell stories like Liberty Gold's story? Because, you know, to me it seems quite an easy story to understand. But oh, it's really not, easy, yeah. Do you think you're getting fair value in terms of uh, market cap at the moment? Um, Have you done enough or is it the market? You can only do what you can do because we all work 12, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, mm. right? So if I leave the office, I'm working from home. Mm -hmm. Marco Dayer is our chairman. He knows what, to do exactly what I do. We're yeah. both trained the same way. We can both raise money. But I'm not the geologist I used to be. I'm more financial. Mm -hmm. So you understand I'm not there to go pick where drill holes go. The sure. people who find mines do that. My job is I'm paid for strategy mm -hmm. and how to time it out and how to sequence things to move a company forward. And you, and you can't push on a rope. If the market's against you, you're going to be stuck in the mud. One foot in the mud and one foot on pavement, whether you like it or not, until the market does change. The gold price can change that. But the lack of discoveries will, change it, will, will I think, change the junior exploration sector faster 
I, I get that, but the, the, the gold price. Let, let's not let's not get onto the macro. Let's stick with the micro here. You know, I believe that um, a lot of mining companies could work a lot harder at communicating better to their investors. Okay, and I would encourage certainly our investors, our viewers, to um, interrogate the information the company provides. Very very few people read the disclosures, for instance, which, yes, actually I know. Is, which is crazy. The information is all there. Um, and I'd also say that they don't necessarily need to have a technical appreciation of what the company is doing, but they do need to understand what questions to ask the company. And the company should be able to give that information in a way which is understandable to non-technical people. Yeah. Right? And we figured that out. That's, yeah. Our website's designed that way. Yeah, I think you've got a good website. I, yeah. I also like your um, the other Oxygen Capital one, Pure Gold. Yeah. And I know you've got a couple of others. Sort of uh, Sun Metals. And... Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think Auction Capital or, or have identified that and doing quite a good job. Yeah. Um, but what do you what do you think that else? What else could you be doing? What more could you do? We're not married, are we? I mean, is <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I might I might I might get that from my wife. But you know, what more can you be doing around the house? Well, like, right? I, think, I think it's a fair question because you know you know you get you, you know what you know and you you know you do what you do, but. You've got to be aware about what's going on out there. It's not an easy market for gold. People yeah. just don't aren't talking about gold at the moment. It's it's a great commodity. The price isn't yeah. there yet. Um, but a lot of the gold companies who should, you know, if I'm looking at it from a purely chart basis, financial basis, you think, well, that should be worth a lot more. But they're not. So something's missing. Well, the market's not is going to give you the valuation it's going to give. And so there's less investor money in the market. And one of the main reasons is the fact that people have been punished over since 2012 with tax losses. Mm. And then they go look at different industries. I don't, people say, well, Bitcoin took the momentum out of the mine. That's crap. Yeah, right, I, like I, those are just lame excuses yeah. for a futile market. There's always market. been distractions. There's always been distractions. And so, but the, as you know, through time in the mining industry, things change. And a great example is actually the diamond industry. Yeah. when diamond was found and then the market went mm -hmm. out and went crazy sampling yeah. nor the northwest territories for uh, glacial deposits we found one g10 garnet mm -hmm. then it became the stocks would go up a dollar based on a g10 garnet which is a high chrome nickel garnet yeah. Yeah. and then if you had six garnets Oh my God, the stock would go even go higher. Then everyone says, but there's no Kimberlites there after they spent yeah. 10 million drilling the damn things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had to go to something else. Well, we had Ilmenite, we had Rutile, we had all these things. And then we closed in, oh my God, there's a round anomaly, which they affectionately called dog's balls anomalies. It's an old BHP term. Mm -hmm. And they drilled these gravity lows. And if they hit a Kimberlite, the stock would take off. And then it got into 10 microdiamonds versus 100 versus 1,000. And then people say, well, they're microdiamonds. What, what the crap does that mean? So the diamond industry grew from over-exuberance to reality, and then it calmed down, right? So copper industry does that as well, yep. right? So if the copper price goes from three bucks a pound down to $2 a pound, everyone's sad. Yep. Uh, industrial cobalt goes through the roof and comes right back down, right? When you're chasing mm. uh, an industry with a finite number. But the gold industry is always the gold industry. It's money. It can change it into any currency in the world on any given day. Mm -hmm. And the reality is there's 10 big producers over a million ounces, 25 intermediates. 300 to a million and there's 33 producers and they're all looking for the same thing as cash flow and they haven't got it and they have to sit there waiting for two majors to come together to eat the scraps up that they yeah. that aren't material to them so this is how yeah. the industry's gone there's no mines right so ultimately you have to find things that look like they're going to be mined 
and they've got to be big, and they've got to be material to an acquiring, producing mining company. And if, if we go see an asset and we say, ah, 750,000 ounces, we're out of there. Somebody else can have it. Yeah, I, I get that you need to be 5 million ounce plus to be interesting. Oh, there hasn't been a 5 million ounce plus found. Sure. I think there's one sold gold in, in Ecuador has been found as a gold equivalent basis in the Cardinal. last three years. Cardinal's there too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, there's not much. And it used to be in the 90s, you could get up to five or six of them a year on average. True. We're good explorers. So where, where does that put companies like yourself? I mean, we're, we're you know, just over a million bucks, a million ounces at the moment. You want to get to two. I guess you wouldn't want to go from two to... Well, right now that are 43-101 compliant, mm. um, just on Kinsley and Black Pine, we're at 1.78 million ounces of good gold in the Great Basin. And yeah. we're in, in Turkey, we're about 1.3 million ounces and a billion pounds of copper and 35 million ounces of silver. It doesn't put you in a sort of large pen with lots of other people like you at the moment. How, how do you move from there to where you need to be to kind of get I think we to have to I, I think Black Pine is going to exceed the other two easily. Right. And so if you see it and you can feel it in the drill holes, historical data and compilation support it, you go in and you make that big as fast as you can. Because okay. it, it's material. Okay, so let, let me very, very quickly say, I, I, I always like to do this, because, because I say to investors, look at the management team, look at their track record, listen to what they say, and listen to what they, information they provide. Let's, let's go, we're looking at board of directors and management team, who's active, who's, who's just a name? So just, let's focus on the active people who've got a track record of pro producing shareholder value and are actively helping you. Everyone, drive the every, every board member is active. Is, is active. Each has a different specialty. Are they all full-time? Uh, they're all full, well, I guess they're independent board members, but full-time means they're on. They've, we haven't had a board change, I don't think, in five or six years. No, I meant as in, are they thinking about Liberty Gold every they when always they wake are. up and go to bed? Sure, Marco Day is for sure every day. Maura Smith, is. she runs all the expiration. Yeah. Obviously, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, Sean Tetzlaff is absolutely brilliant on securities and uh, rules and everything else like that. So if we're gonna right. go do something, he's the cautionary wise man at the table. He's the auction capital guy. Yeah, so he's, he's got a few sure. other things going yeah. on, as with Donald. And, and yeah, Donald has the same. Yeah, so everybody is, is proactive, and they're all good. And Mark right. and I get along really well. So if I need him or he needs me to do something, he, uh, we get it done. Right. If I need an introduction, and I don't have an introduction to the president, CEO of a senior my gold company, mm -hmm. but one of the other board members is a friend of them. Yeah. I just they just link us together. We just ricochet around. So when I'm working on behalf of the company, half the year I'm on the road. Why? What do you mean? I never stop. I'm marketing, I'm going to site, I'm visiting projects, right. seeing the geologies, verifying budgets, and going, uh, meeting mutual funds, meeting institutions, you never stop. If you stop, you, are, you shouldn't be in the business. Okay, so earlier you told us about the strategy for the business. Mm -hmm. There was a clear decision made two years ago as to what you wanted to be doing. It didn't include Turkey. You're offloading, hoping, to. hoping to offload Turkey, get some cash into the business drive the US so you know and you're telling me that you know black pine looks more interesting than gold strike but there's at this point basically if if, if if we hadn't drilled a hold of black pine and gold yeah. strike but we started yeah. gold strike was two years in advance and yeah. we love it it's a great deposit it's sure. going to be a good mine sure right the economics show it's going to be a really good but is it going to steady. take you from where you where you are with a bunch of other people to you know stand out business differentiated know, we're going to be a bit different than everybody else we're going to do two of them at the same time Right, okay. We're gonna do Black Pine and we're gonna do Gold Strike at the same time. And that's gonna create the value? Absolutely, yeah. Because how many oxide deposits are left in the Great Basin? 
right? Very, very little. There's ourselves, we've got um, two major ones. We've got Gold Standard Ventures, which sure. has done a great job of what they found at uh, North Dark Star and Dark Star and Pinion. And uh, they've got uh, Bullfrog, I guess, which is Corvus, but that's more of a sulfide system now because sure. the grades at, at this, North, this Bullfrog are points. And that's it, the oxide's gone. But this isn't a competition about the Great Basin. This is, great, this is a competition for investors' money and she used to invest in companies anywhere in the world. That's okay? correct, yeah. So, um, to, you know, so in, thinking globally, do you feel that the assets you've got and what you hope to do with them is going to allow you to stand out globally as a meaningful gold? Producer. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yes, because they meet all the size criteria that everybody's looking for. Right. Okay. That's all right. Very simple go. answer. Okay. Good. Um, why don't we finish off? Can you give me five reasons investors should be thinking about Liberty Gold as part of their portfolio? Under what investment contact? Is this retail or Making institutional? Money. Making money. Making Any money. investor, institutional, retail, high net worth family office. Why should people go? Your existing shareholders have got a, have got a view. They're sitting there. They like it. It's it's traded, but you know mm -hmm. they're, they're sitting there because they believe your story. Okay, you got some great names on there. Fantastic That's right. institutional names. A lot of people will be quite jealous, envious of that. But in terms of new investors coming, whether it be institutional or a site, number one, they have to chart the stock and they have to compare it to other groups. They have to right. look at the volume because if they have they want to buy it, they have to find they can get out of it. So it's a very liquid name. That's not okay. the priority on it. The jurisdiction is everything, okay. right? So jurisdiction is, is, is really important because of the fact that there's no new discoveries made and we're sitting on several in the right jurisdiction. Yep. And you're even seeing that from the institutions and corporates, uh, producers out of Australia, they're all trying to get into the Great Basin. Because if you're sitting two thirds in Africa, one third in Australia, yep. where do you want to go, Guatemala? Yeah. Right. So you're now you're coming into North America because their shareholder base are driving them towards us, and we get a lot of buying from those jurisdictions. So you're, you're, I mean, so I should have asked earlier. You, you know, fully fully permitted and absolutely you done. The stage you're at, and it's a well-known process. Even if you yeah, if we had picked up these projects today, we're screwed because yeah. if you started a bull market today, yeah. it would take us two years before we get your interest. Now got we've got every permit in place on every project to drill where we want, and we have no time delay. Perfect. So okay, so liquidity, jurisdiction, and timing. Timing, right, meaning what? Timing is we just go to work, right? Okay, We're not so delayed by a permit. Okay, got to get on with it. Get on with it and just go. Not a lot of these things are set up properly. Four? Jeez, there's just so much. There is a lot. Well, I, I, I would argue. Uh, four is um, we're right in line on both deposits at or above what the average run of mine heap leach operation is in the United States of America. Right, so you've got, That's easy. You've got great comps. The comps work. Right. Right. The strip ratios look like they're going to work nicely. Yeah. As because when we talked about strip ratios before, if the strip ratio is six to one and it's one eighty, yeah, cost per ton. I mean, yeah. you're you're dealing with ten something a ton yeah. of, of margin gone. The strip ratio turned the economics negative. So these are known. And the fifth one, I guess you're going to say potentially things go according to plan. You're cashed up through to yeah. post, post DFS. Uh, Pat, we're cashed up through this year, but what that? I meant with with the sale of Turkey, potential sale of Turkey. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's all fine, yeah. Right. And and but the, the other key point is it hits the minimum threshold of projected production numbers in the right jurisdiction at the right grade and the right metallurgy, and there's more than one of them in the company. In a market conditions that we're looking at today, so you're going to be on the target crosshairs of anybody who's looking for another mine that are cheap to build and quick to permit.
Perfect. Thanks very much, Cal. We look forward to uh, keeping abreast of the story as you go forward and hearing what you've managed to achieve later this year. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Pleasure. Cheers. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.